Kia ora, I'm Emil Donovan, and first up on today's show, welcome to the Detail Quiz. Question one of one. What do these famous historical figures have in common? So, good day. It is a pleasure to meet you. I am Aaron Brockovich. I mean, I um, didn't know I was dyslexic at the time, but um, I am dyslexic. Um, and therefore, uh, when I went off to school, I found conventional schoolwork hopeless. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. Yeah, I did eventually go to school in Paris when I was 16. But until then, apart from being taught a little arithmetic, I'd had no lessons to speak of at all. I don't think uh, uh, that you know we, we need more constructs uh, here. I think we have enough to be successful. We do need to finance these constructs. Aaron Brockovich, Richard Branson, Winston Churchill, Agatha Christie, and Bill Gates, they are all dyslexic. It's the most common learning difficulty in New Zealand and probably the world, around about 1 in 10 of us have it. But more than 120 years after it was first described, dyslexic people still struggle with social stigmas around what the condition means and what they can contribute to society. But with the job market and desirable skills transforming at lightning speed, is it time to stop thinking of dyslexia as a disability and to start thinking of it as a parallel way of learning? The man with dyslexia who failed a screening test to get into the police claims the Human Rights Commission was dismissive and insulting when he asked for advice. Now, it wasn't that the man couldn't do the tests. He just couldn't decode them in the time allowed. His plea to the Human Rights Commission fell on deaf ears. He immediately shot back, oh, OK, so you failed the intelligence part then. We'll hear more on that story later, but first, maybe let's get an explanation of what dyslexia actually is. Yeah, it is very simplest, Emil. It is a condition where otherwise intelligent people struggle with reading, writing and spelling. That's Mike Stiles, a specialist in literacy and numeracy for the primary industry training organisation. People with dyslexia do struggle with a number of other things. They struggle with short-term memory oftentimes. They struggle with time management and organisation. And not say their processing speed of, uh, you know, cognitive stuff is a little slower. Uh, they struggle sometimes with sequencing of stuff. But the exciting thing about dyslexia is that it comes with a whole lot of pluses. Things like uh, heightened spatial visual and 3D skills. They're often great at problem solving. They're often known to be creative and innovative. They are often known to be very good at reading people. They're often very, very empathetic. They often have what's crudely referred to in the primary sector as a very good bullshit meter, if I could use that language, in that they're often very good at being able to tell when people are being 100% honest or not. And what is possibly the most exciting thing, I think, is that many of the world's greatest entrepreneurs are dyslexic. And Mike isn't kidding here. Bill Gates, Richard Branson, Alan Sugar, Warren Buffett, all multi-billionaires and all dyslexic. Research from the United Kingdom suggests some 20% of UK entrepreneurs have this condition. And that's because they're the kind of people that are prepared to take a risk. 
they um, leap straight to a conclusion. They don't get bogged down with the the itty bitty details. And you know, we're talking we're talking the Richard Bransons, we're talking the Bill Gates, we're talking the Warren Buffett. The list literally goes on and on of self made millionaires who are dyslexic. Here's the funny thing. Dyslexic people are well known as being very, very bad spelling. Spelling is the thing that even if they master reading, the issues with with spelling remain. And Agatha Christie, Winston Churchill, both highly acclaimed authors, Ernest Hemingway as well. So Winston Churchill won a Nobel Prize for literature. (laughs) But, of course, he got someone else to type up to type up his his manuscript. So there is no necessarily impact on the intelligence levels or the desire to learn or anything like that. It is simply an issue of perception, I suppose. Yes, it is, and definitely unrelated to intelligence. So some of the most intelligent people on the planet are dyslexic, but of course they've been misunderstood in the education sector, so many of them haven't achieved anywhere near as well as they might have. And I did a research project with the corrections department because it's well known that people with dyslexia often end up behind bars. Mike screened 120 prisoners from four prisons in the Lower North Island using a dyslexia screening tool. He found 49% of those prisoners had what he termed significant dyslexia. More than 80% had less than two years of secondary school education and almost 95% left school with no qualifications. So when you think about it, Emil, people that are intelligent but are sidelined from the education system and sidelined from the regular kind of work get into mischief and that's what dyslexic people do. How much do we actually know about what causes dyslexia? Interestingly enough, in the last decade or two, there has been phenomenal increases in our knowledge of what causes it. That's down to brain science. We can relate dyslexia back to 13 specific genes on the human genome. And secondly, we've been able to trace the pathways in the brain that are activated when a regular person handles a problem and when a dyslexic person does. And there are literally different pathways in the brain that are activated. So too with dyslexia's first cousin, dyscalculia. Mm -hmm. There's different parts of the brain activated for them, and that's why they struggle with, with anything to do with numbers. Okay. How is dyslexia diagnosed? Two levels of diagnosis. First of all, you can have a comprehensive, what I call the... Rolls-Royce version of diagnosis or assessment. It takes multiple hours, costs anywhere from $500 to $1,500 to get done, needs an educational psychologist or somebody from Spelled. Spelled is a not-for-profit which helps both adults and kids who have dyslexia and other learning difficulties. And you end up with a multi-page report that is incredibly detailed, but sometimes too detailed, because what people really need is a screening result, which basically is much shorter, takes maybe 45 minutes. And as a result of that, we can identify, and it's about identification of dyslexia as opposed to 
comprehensive assessment, we can identify is that person dyslexic or not, and we can have some rough idea about the particular things they struggle with. Because with when you screen them, you identify some things that they struggle with and, as we've already alluded, some things that they're actually quite good at. Is there like a a scale of dyslexia, more significant and less significant? Yes, yes. So when I, I, I use a screening tool, and when I screen people for dyslexia, they have to, um, they're ranked on a score, and if they're below a score, a particular level of score, they're not dyslexic, but anything above a particular number, they're identified as dyslexic, and you can be mildly dyslexic, and you can be seriously dyslexic. Presumably that means that there would be a large number of people who might go undiagnosed for long periods of time. Is that the case? Absolutely, and not only with the with mild dyslexia, but very serious dyslexia. So many dyslexic people either write themselves off as quote, thick and stupid, or people write them off as thick and stupid. You know, there, there are a whole host of telltale signs of people with kind of undiagnosed dyslexia. So people, for example, that are in the workplace and are really good at their job but shy away from promotions because they know, ooh, if I take that promotion, I'll have to send and receive emails and read and write reports. So they shy away from that. People that will always have a reason why they they can't read or write anything in front of you. They'll say things like, oh, no, sorry, I haven't got my right glasses here today. Or, look, I'll read that, but I'll do it at home because I am easily distracted. And that easily distracted thing is another characteristic of feature of people with dyslexia. Last week, RNZ reporter Ruth Hill filed a story about a young man named Anthony whose dream was to join the police force. Now, in order to join the force, you have to undergo a series of tests, including three psychometric tests. Anthony failed one of those tests, therefore his application was knocked back. He was disappointed, and so he decided to get in touch with the Human Rights Commission to ask for some advice. He immediately shot back, okay, so you failed the intelligence part then. Another thing that he said was, I would be a danger to people because I can't read, and the test did what it was supposed to do and keep a person like me out. Are you confident that you could have passed the test if it hadn't been like a restricted time frame and that you feel that put you under unfair pressure? I don't know. I might have done better. Like A lot of advocates will say the same thing, is that psychometric testing, in a way, is an extra barrier for people that have dyslexia. You're confident that your dyslexia would not get in the way of you being a good police officer? No, I I don't think it would because I know a couple of dyslexic cops and when I I talked to her about the whole situation and she was like, no, don't worry about it, man. Like, there's heaps of dyslexic cops. Being a cop is more than just driving around in a fast car and catching bad guys and stuff. Like, there's a lot of aspirational work to it, you know? You're, You're a role model for the community and to see someone who is dyslexic, who has managed to do something that's upstanding for the community, that's fighting for justice, it's awesome. When it comes to work and 
assessing someone's suitability for a job. There are fairly sort of rigid structures around competence, you know, and, and they're often based on written tests under time pressure or yep. performance in spontaneous interviews where you don't know what the questions are going to be and that these would seem to be sort of anathema to many people with dyslexia. Yes. Is, is that a big issue that people with, with dyslexia do face? It is a really big issue. And, you know, for example, let me give you a classic example. If you submit a CV to an employer and there is a spelling mistake on it, you know, most similar CVs to that would be dispensed to the rubbish bin straight away because the conclusion would be, ah, this person hasn't paid any attention. Whereas the reality is somebody with dyslexia, and I know that spell checker can help, but, you know, that doesn't solve all the problems. Mm. And the reality is that somebody with dyslexia, for example, could have proofread that 25 times, played the most careful attention to it, but still not picked up on that mistake because of their spelling difficulties. And so that's a really big issue. And, and I know that the human resources industry is under great pressure because if you get 100 CVs submitted to you, you need some way of wheedling down that 100 to a manageable quantity. But the HR department and the appointment process can be a major barrier for people with dyslexia. And ironically and interesting, the human resources sector department can be the greatest empowerer of dyslexic people once they understand their shortcomings and the fact that while they may not have the obvious skills and talents, they often have a lot of other ones that we've largely left unexploited. How is dyslexia treated? There is a, a large number of strategies that we can use now. First of all, the There is some amazing technology out there that does level the playing field a lot for dyslexic people. So for adults, and ironically, there's more stuff happening for adults than for children right now, which is it's a little bit like putting the cart before the horse. Um, but there is some amazing technology out there. On your smartphone, there's a lot of technology. There's simple apps that can be put on your smartphone. There is technology like reading pens that get around the reading problem for people. There is Dragon Naturally Speaking, which a lot of successful adults with dyslexia use. It's the top-of-the-range voice-to-text software. But there's lots of good practices that teachers can use every day. So look at more oral assessments of children Give them assistance with proofreading. Let them type stuff where, of course, spell checker comes in as opposed to making them handwrite stuff. Giving them pictures and diagrams and charts to illustrate stuff rather than relying on pure text. All of those things can make a really big difference. Another thing that can help, especially early in life, is teachers who understand dyslexia and how to work with dyslexic children. Just over a year ago, the Ministry of Education rolled out 623 new special education jobs. Learning support coordinators who would work in more than a 1,000 schools, helping to equip in-classroom teachers with the skills to better help students with learning difficulties. However, education groups said the plan was flawed, bureaucratic and impractical, and that what they really needed was more specialist in-classroom help. 
When asked what went wrong with the rollout, Associate Education Minister Tracy Martin was at a loss. So I don't know how this has gone so awry. This was pilots that were run in 2017 through the learning support delivery model set up by the previous government that showed that we can lower waiting lists, we can better support children with moderate as well as complex needs. This was something that the NZDI campaigned for and um, an opposition um, came to see me about to request it. This is something that in 2016 at the inquiry into dyslexia, dyspraxia and children on the autism spectrum that uh, Minister Hipkins and myself committed to and we have now delivered um, at least the first tranche of. So, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? That was a pushback and there is some justification for that. But the important thing is, even to this day, 2020, most primary trained and even secondary teachers as well, of course, do not receive any specific training in their teacher training about dyslexia, more than about sometimes one or two hours maximum and sometimes the most half a day for a condition that impacts on at least 10% of our youngsters. So teachers themselves have not traditionally been equipped to identify it. And, And for sure, there was some pushback. I actually think that what we need is more of these people so that every child in every school gets access to identification for possible dyslexia. What is best practice when it comes to children with dyslexia and how best to sort of manage their educational pathway? Because I suppose you don't want to ghettoise kids with dyslexia, do you? You definitely don't. A couple of basic points. There is a saying in the dyslexic world, don't wait until children fail. So identify before that because... And I've been in the education system for many, many years. There is a tendency for teachers to say, often with incredibly good reason, don't worry, Johnny or Mary will get it next year, you know, because not everyone gets the whole reading thing at the same time, you know, um, and, and sometimes the year later they will get it. But, of course, what does happen, and with my broader hat on of uh, adult, low literacy and adults... There's a large number of New Zealanders that don't get it, and they the bus the buck gets passed from year to year mm. in the school system, and then these people leave school. Many of them leave school quite early, uh, and they end up in the workforce where the stats around uh, low literacy and numeracy are really horrific. So, in round terms, for a long period of time now, forty percent of the New Zealand workforce do not have the adequate skills to do their jobs effectively, the adequate literacy skills and numeracy skills to do their jobs effectively. So these are people that have been shortchanged by the education system, and it's my belief that a good half of low literacy issues are down to unidentified and or unsupported dyslexia. Um, Yeah. Mike, just finally on this... The case that we were talking about earlier uh, with the gentleman in the psychometric test, now he says that he rang the Human Rights Commission for advice on this and that he was met with a less than sympathetic response. Yep. And I imagine that, that, well, I mean, you actually spoke to Ruth for the story. You said this, mm. is a, this is a tale sort of that's old as time. Um, and it does seem curious to me that, you know, a learning difference which was identified more than a century ago, I, I get the impression anyway that, 
It's not really that well understood. Ah, you've hit the reality button. Certainly it's not well understood. And you see, the reality is that government agencies in New Zealand are sadly unaware of dyslexia. Uh, We don't gather any official stats about it. The Ministry of the Statistics Department don't gather any stats about it. Even education bodies like, you know, the Ministry of Ed, TC, ERO, uh, NZQA, know only sadly a very small um, amount about dyslexia. I would have thought that given that it's a a, a situation that uh, impacts on 10% of the workforce, places like MB should be all over this as well, but they're not. The reality is they're not. In New Zealand, it is a case of we don't know what we don't know, and there's not been much efforts to date to do anything about correcting that. In the broadest possible terms, you know, speaking to what politicians might call sort of middle New Zealand, what are the fundamental things that you think most people should understand about dyslexia? Right. Well, first of all, there should be a public education programme about it, but in terms of the details of what Joe Blow average citizen should know about it, they should know that it's a difference, not a disability, that many dyslexic people are very, very clever and that we really need to give them a fair go and we ought not to judge people purely and simply on their ability to read, write and spell. There is so much more to humanity than that. Give these people a fair go to demonstrate their skills and talents. That's it for today. I'm Emil Donovan. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Mike Stiles. Matewa.